So this summer, Brittany and I, um, we are setting the schedule for who would preach when and what we would preach on. And we decided that we would open up the Psalms this summer. And we'd actually just preach the ones that we really like, the ones that kind of have spoken to us in our past or have been just part of our story. Um, two goals in that. One is that we could just read and reflect on a psalm that has meant a lot to us, but then also that we'd have an opportunity to even share just uh, bits and pieces of our own story uh, so that uh, the congregation here can get to know us um, a bit better. So the psalm that we'll be looking at this morning is, is Psalm 1 which has been impactful for me in my life. Um, spent some time memorizing it, which is good because I didn't, I forgot my Bible inside. So I'll do it from memory this morning. You're welcome to open up your Bible and read along, or you can just listen to me share. Hear God's word for us this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in, the, uh, stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Everything they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, to live is to walk, to walk is to choose. We all must find a path through this life. Which way will you go? Every day we come across forks in the road. Every day we make choices that shape our character and set the course of our lives. Parents and sages throughout the ages have always warned young adults to choose wisely. They know that not all paths lead to life. The psalmist in Psalm 1 has insight for us today as we make our way through life. He stands at the most important fork in the road, and he describes for us the outcome of the two paths that lie ahead. One way leads to life and flourishing, the other leads to death and destruction. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed. Blessed. Blessed is not a bad translation, but it doesn't really capture the nuance of the Hebrew. The Hebrew word is asher, which is roughly translated as happy. Happy is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Blessings are good things we receive from God, but happiness is a state of being experienced by those who are in a good place. Happy is the tree planted by streams of water. Happy is the man or woman who avoids the thorny path of destruction and takes the spacious road that leads to the river. The way of destruction, of course, is appealing at first. It's, it looks wide, wide open and sunny at the outset. You can go your own way at your own pace. You can do what feels good and express your own unique identity outside of the constricting boundaries of law and custom. This way 
is epitomized by Bon Jovi's anthem, It's My Life. It's my life, and it's now or never, he says. He sings, I ain't gonna live forever. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. My heart is like an open highway. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. The trouble with this path is that while it may feel like an open highway at first, in time, the way that sinners tread, it always narrows and constricts. St. Augustine, the 4th century bishop, he, he learned this the hard way. When he was young and bright, he moved to the big city of Carthage for university. Happy to, out from, happy to be out from under his mother's gaze, Augustine ate up new experiences. He drank up the party scene. He relished the pursuit of sexual experience like an all-you-can-eat buffet. It was exhilarating at first. But slowly, Augustine grew weary of going up for more food. And in time, he began to get sick, then stuck. Ten years later, when Augustine moves to Milan, he's a decade older, and he's oh so tired of himself. And now he wishes that someone would set him free from, from the terrible path that he finds himself on. If the way of the wicked were a soundtrack, soundtrack, it would start with Bon Jovi's It's My Life, and it would end in Desperado by the Eagles. Desperado, you ain't getting no younger. Your pain and your hunger, they're driving you home. Oh, freedom, freedom, that's just some people talking. Your prison is walking in this world all alone. I never went full throttle down the path that leads to destruction. Uh, but I did stand at the fork for a long time, and I dabbled as I watched others. I will say, however, that I've had several moments in my life, uh, Augustine-like moments, where I've grown pretty sick and tired of the person that I had become. On those occasions, I remember of getting to my knees and uh, asked for intervention. One intervention, I, I mean, I didn't even know I needed this intervention, but it came. One intervention came in the form of a philosophy professor named Rebecca de Young. She handed me a copy of Augustine's Confessions when I was 18 years old, and she made me read it for my introduction to philosophy class. And through that experience, I learned from her and Augustine what the wise psalmist has been telling, trying to tell us for, for hundreds of years. And that is that we've been made, we've been made, designed for a relationship with God, and that our hearts are forever restless until we learn to rest in Him. I remember the lecture where Rebecca de Young spent about an hour talking about Augustine's life and specifically that quote that I just said. And I remember leaving the classroom with my legs literally shaking because I felt so strongly that I was getting in touch with one of the deepest truths of reality, that we are at heart restless creatures looking for a home, looking for a place to belong. And we go about this world just trying things out. Is this home? Is this where I belong? Is this experience going to satisfy the deep, deep hungers of my heart? We go looking. We go exploring. We take all these different paths, and we discover that they end up constricting and narrowing. They end up taking more life than they give. And what Augustine showed me is that that restless wandering, that, that is a result of being cut off from God, and that we are only, only fully alive 
and fully able to rest when we, when we submit ourselves to him. When people ask me why I'm a pastor, I often point back to my introduction to philosophy class. I'm a pastor, I say, because I believe that restless wandering is at the heart of the human experience and that the only way to try... The only way to find true and lasting contentment is found as we submit our lives to Jesus Christ. Seems like it takes hitting rock bottom sometimes, like Augustine, or we need to have some sort of moment of change, conversion, moment where our eyes are opened before we consciously can want to take the path that leads to life. I mean, when you look at it at first, when you stand at the fork in the road and, and you look at the two different ways, it, the way to life, it seems awfully narrow at first. It looks like an uphill climb. You've got to submit to a path. You've got to stay up all night meditating on God's law. There are rules and regulations. It doesn't seem like the pathway to freedom, but it is. Happy is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. The psalmist is talking about the Ten Commandments here, of course, but also he's talking more generally about all the received instruction that we find in God's Word. The deep belief of the psalmist is that these things are not arbitrary. God is not some dictator who makes decrees because he just likes to see people get in line. God, rather, is a father who cares for the development of his children. He wants them to become like fruit-bearing trees planted by the water. And so, like any loving parent, God instructs and he teaches. Go this way. Avoid these potholes. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. No other gods have your best interest at heart. Trust in me alone. Have no other gods before me. This way may feel narrow at first, but over time, over time, the life of following God's word, it, it opens up into a spacious place. While our, while our flesh always kicks against discipline, we do know intuitively that what the psalmist says is in fact true. I mean, everything good in life, it seems, seems to follow this principle. If you want to truly express yourself musically, for instance, you have to take the uphill journey of submitting yourself to your teacher's instruction. While your teachers or while your friends are out at the mall, you're inside practicing scales. Most people quit because the way is just too hard. But slowly over time, the exercises become second nature. Then they become useful. And suddenly you find yourself free at the piano, able to play whatever you'd like to play to express yourself in a whole new way. Any great endeavor follows this pattern. You want to be a gifted architect. You have to do your time uh, slogging away at math and art. You want to be a capable, confident physician. You have to spend hours in the library memorizing biology. Wide is the road that avoids discipline and instruction, but it always ends up narrowing in the end. Narrow is the road that leads through sacrifice and self-discipline, but slowly your world opens up. Here's the counter-cultural truth. Submitting yourself to the right teacher's instruction is the way to become fully human. And what the Bible says is that God the Father knows best. 
He designed this world. He designed us. He knows what will help us to develop big souls and big hearts to become like trees planted by the water bearing fruit. Whenever I read this psalm, I always think to myself, it almost sounds a little too good to be true. Um, but I suppose the only way to know for sure is to actually try it out, to actually go down the path, to test and see, to see if this is a wise word. I have some experience with that too. Not as much as I'd like, but some experience. When I was in university, uh, Brittany, she introduced me to the, uh, she introduced me to the practice of Sabbath, resting one day a week. I think I had always sort of done Sabbath in my life, um, but by the time I got to university, I was not very good at managing my time, and I ended up cramming a lot on Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening for assignments due early the next week. Um, but Brittany would never do that. Never. She would wake up at uh, 3 a.m. on Monday morning to work hard to prepare for an exam, but she would never, never study on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening or Sunday morning. Sunday for Brittany was about worship and rest, spending time with friends, going for walks in the woods. And she said, you've got you've to start doing this, David. So I took the plunge, and I followed her into... Uh, a more scheduled um, uh, journey of, of work and rest. And wow, that was a good decision. I've never stopped, never stopped taking 24 hours off for simple rest and delight in God's world. Um, and it's so important for my health and wholeness. It's unbelievable. And what I found was that I actually was more productive because I was more disciplined the other six days of the week to get my work done. And when that seventh day came, I was able to just totally let go and relax, to worship, to be free, to be reminded that this world, it's not held up by my efforts, but that God is in charge and that he is making sure that this world keeps on spinning. And I just think, resting. I mean, this is one of the Creator's instructions to us. You know that, that He is a good God. If He says to His people, you are to rest for one day. I mean, this is just mind-blowing. The other gods do not allow their people to rest. God's instruction is good. This is the testimony of scriptures, the testimony of the psalmist. And as we practice it, I believe we discover it's good as well. Those who take on his instruction, those who follow this path, they become, says the psalmist, like, like a tree planted by streams of water. Not so with the wicked, however. They become like chaff that the wind blows away. Their, their life kind of fizzles becomes like dust in the wind. This seems a little harsh, and I was reminded of that as I was reciting. Oh, this is, this is a harsh word. But, I, but, but think on it for a minute. Imagine if you spent your life sitting in the company of mockers. Imagine that. Imagine if you sat in the food court day after day at the mall, and all you did was critique and criticize everyone who walked by. 
You and your friends made fun of people who had no sense of fashion. You giggled at the overweight people, and you made fun of the people with funny haircuts. Say you start doing this at age 16, but before you know it, you're 25, and then you're 40, and then you're 70. I wonder what happens to the soul of a person who spends their life sitting in the company of mockers. What happens? It kind of shrivels up. It doesn't become like a tree planted by the water. It becomes more like chaff that gets blown away by the wind. To live is to choose, to choose a path. Each day we come across forks in the road, and which way we decide to go, it shapes our character, shapes our soul. Which way will you go? Happy is the one, says the psalmist, who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Psalm 1 offers us a pretty black and white take on reality, perhaps too black and white. For wouldn't we say that there are examples where the righteous struggle and the wicked flourish? I mean, what about poor Job? Uh, in a way, he was the epitome of one who took the righteous way, and yet his family did not always prosper. Life isn't always easy for the righteous, that's for sure. But while it is so, it is also so that the Lord never abandons those who walk with him. In fact, his promise is that he is with the righteous when their road leads down into the valley of the shadow of death. And who would you rather be, or who would you rather be with when life gets tough? I don't know about you, but it seems to me that it's better to be well-rooted when the storm hits than it is to be swept away by the rising tide. A mature tree can weather a storm, not so with the chaff. In the New Testament, the path the psalmist points out culminates in a life of following after Jesus. Jesus, Jesus boldly refers to himself as the way the truth, and the life. And he also tells his disciples that the only true and lasting source of rest and comfort is found in a discipleship relationship with him. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, he says. Come to me, all you who have taken the wrong path and have become weighed down by your own sins. There's hope. Come to me. I am gentle. Take off the patterns of this world. Take upon yourself my teaching and learn from me, and there you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is God's authoritative guide on life's way. And not only does he show us how to live a life rooted in God's law, but he also was sent to rescue those who have gone uh, badly off course. He was sent to rescue the wayfaring, those, for, those whose paths were destined for destruction. Like trees in the desert, we were suffering, the Bible says. But then God in Christ came and he scooped us up out of the dry ground and transplanted us down by the river. He wanted to see us grow and grow and, and be filled with his life. And I don't know what paths you've gone down in your life or what path you're currently on. But know today that there is hope and that there is new life and that there is rest for your souls in a life of following after Jesus. He shows us the better way. Let's follow him. Amen. Please join me in prayer.
Father in heaven, thank you for this, your good word. We pray that you'd plant it down deep in our hearts and that you'd inspire us, Lord, as we walk to keep your word and your ways always before us. And in the areas of our life that we're straying, Lord, or we're going off, off course, I do pray now, Lord, that you would intervene and rescue. Save us from the destruction we so often cause to ourselves and bring us back onto the path that leads to life. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way and for being our guide and for um, your good, good instruction. We pray, Father, that uh, we pray, Jesus, that you would um, continue to guide us, your flock, here in Alston as we seek to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.